popcorn rice like to discuss. Want to know some more fun facts? Isn't it awesome to see some of your favorite content creators and favorite people, honestly, you follow here on this app, be a part of this amazing community called The Nerd Initiative. Welcome to Fandoms, a show from every fan's point of view. Brought to you by the Nerd Initiative Network. Here's your hosts, Tony and Michael. Happy Friday, Michael. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Um, we're going to go ahead and uh, just hit the ground running. We're going to try to stay within a reasonable time tonight. Um, and so tonight we have a special guest, CJ Falloy, who is the founder of In the Name of Comics. And for whatever reason, I promise you, every time I go to type it out, I've been saying for the love of comics. So I guess that would be another one to grab as well. Um, but we're <laughs> going to go ahead and we're going to get all of our segments out at the beginning of this. Um, that oh. way we could just take the time. Um, so we're going to go ahead and throw it to Pooja first. Hello and welcome back to Pooja's Picks. My name is Pooja and I'm here to bring you the latest in movie news. Let's get into what's now playing and what's coming soon. Sony Pictures' No Hard Feelings is a raunchy comedy that welcomes back Jennifer Lawrence onto the screen. Lawrence plays Maddie, a woman on the verge of losing her childhood home until she agrees to date the son of a wealthy couple for a large sum of money as they attempt to break him out of his shell before college. This one is definitely not for younger audiences, but if you're looking for a film full of throwbacks to the good old age of over-the-top R-rated comedies, this is the one to check out. Now streaming on Disney Plus is the original musical comedy film World's Best starring Utkarsh Umbudkar and Manny Magnus. Despite being a math genius, Prem discovers that his deceased father's truest passion and talent was in hip-hop music and decides to forge his own path by pursuing this passion. I am all for the coming-of-age stories that are coming out recently and I'm especially excited to see more South Asian stories centering around breaking the mold. A24's Past Lives has been making its way to theaters nationwide throughout this month, with Greta Lee, Teo Yu, and John Magaro taking the lead. This beautiful film of friendship between two childhood friends is sure to win the hearts of audiences as it divulges into the ideas of destiny and love and the act of making a choice that can change the course of your life. The film is expected to release in select cities, so if you have a theater that is playing this film, be sure to check it out. Streaming on Netflix is The Perfect Find, a romantic comedy starring Gabrielle Union, Keith Powers, and Gina Torres. When a middle-aged woman decides to switch careers to do beauty journalism, her life gets even more chaotic as she learns that her frenemy is actually her boss. To make matters more complicated, she begins a relationship with her boss's son. Romantic comedies are continuing to push their way onto the scene and I support it. The Perfect Find is the perfect film for a movie night in, whether it's with somebody else or just by yourself. Making its way into theaters is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, the fifth and final installment of this 42-year long adventurous franchise. In 1944, Jones assisted a former colleague to prevent a mysterious dial from coming into the hands of the enemy during World War II. 25 years later, and dissatisfied with the government enlisting the help of former enemy officers in the race to space, Jones finds himself coming out of retirement to retrieve the dial. There's definitely a bittersweet excitement for this final film between being able to see our favorite whip-snapping hero on screen, but knowing it'll be the last adventure. And with that, I say thank you Harrison Ford for bringing this adventure to us. 
DreamWorks is back with Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken, a new film to rival against others. When Ruby discovers that she is the descendant of Kraken royalty, she dedicates herself to rigorous training in order to become a defender of the seas against the villainous and power-hungry mermaids. Not only does this look great for young audiences, but I'm sure that adults who are longtime fans of DreamWorks won't want to miss out on this fantasy comedy film either. The critically acclaimed graphic novel Nimona by N.D. Stevenson has finally been adapted into a feature-length animated film. The story follows a teenage shapeshifter Nimona who insists on being a sidekick to the disgraced former knight Ballister Blackheart. The only problem? Nimona's abilities have garnered attention, resulting in her being a number one target for the current champion knight. After eight long years of production with the film being tossed around between multiple studios, it's a win for the LGBTQ plus community to see a fun, heartwarming queer story be told, especially during Pride Month. Well, that's all that I have for this week. Be sure to tune in to the next episode of Fandoms for more of Pooja's Picks. Until then, back to Tony and Michael. And as always, things that I didn't even know were even hitting the screen. So that's a, that's pretty interesting. Um, so did you, real quick, before we go to, to Mickey's uh, video, mm-hmm. did did you see, um, there's, a, there's a, a video on TikTok that's going around with um, introducing, or it's... Um, they're interviewing um, Harrison Ford uh, for Doll of Destiny. And there was a question. And you know what Red Hulk is, right? Well, no, there, there's that one. But, but this was about this was about like Indiana Jones. And the question was um, Temple of Doom or Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And can you guess which one he picked? Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yes. And I don't know if that's just him like trolling, but. Uh, yeah, I can see it both ways. I, I think. What I was going to say before was with the Red Hulk thing, I feel like he's obviously this is a lifelong actor um, or carpenter, whichever way you want to put it. But um, (laughs) lots of talent, great actor. And so, you know, we talk about people like Andrew Garfield in the past. Like I wouldn't put it past Harrison Ford to be not only messing with people, but also being like, I think he ended that one about Red Hulk. He's like, I may or may not happen, you know, uh, may or may not happen, which is, Mm-hmm. classic you know political answer for that so um yeah well, he's I, a carpenter he can build his house on lies all he wants that's true yeah yeah um, also, i will say the last thing i will say before we go on to mickey's thing is um i i have started to get more insight the more i speak to actors and the more i've worked with actors in the past like they don't know how good or bad the film is technically until it comes out mm-hmm. he might have had a blast like and i've heard good things about whatever we think I've heard good things about work with Shia LaBeouf. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You never yeah. know. I saw him from a big, a far distance when they did dark of the moon, dark side of the moon uh, for the transformers franchise. And yeah, I, I don't know. It, did you interesting smell fellow. No, I, well, I Apparently doesn't, he doesn't shower. No, okay. Oh goodness. I don't know. Well, I think he didn't for fear because he was trying to go method at the time. So like, I think in in a you know John Bernthal and Brad Pitt have told the story that like they could not be in the tank with him. It was so bad because he was he was supposed to be in like World War II and stuff, and he went method. And it's like, dude, stop! <laughs> she started Transformers and like the movie Holes and some other stuff. Like, yeah, stop. he went method, but they really just wanted Even Stevens. That's all it is. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So uh, it's been two weeks. We we've had a lot of stuff going on. We were at Austin Con this last weekend, um, but something that was that has happened in the last two weeks that is definitely worth mentioning um, is the passing of comic book legend uh, mm. John Romita Sr. And uh, Mickey is going to take us down a little bit of history with John. So here we go. What's up, nerds, geeks, and fanatics? I'm Professor Selfon Wallakies, and if everyone would just take a seat and quiet down, we'll begin another exciting class of Fandoms You. So we here at Nerd Initiative and nerds across the globe were saddened to hear about the loss of John Ramita Sr. And I thought this evening would be a good chance to touch on the history of John Ramita Sr. and his influence on the comic book industry. So John Ramita Sr. started his career in comics in the 1950s working for publishers such as Atlas Comics, which would eventually become Marvel Comics. He would contribute to various genres such as romance, westerns, horror, and even Captain America. Romita would then briefly move to DC Comics where he would work on their romance comic books, an experience that would come in handy when he returned to Marvel. Because in 1966, he would take over artistic duties for The Amazing Spider-Man, starting with issue number 39, and immediately have a profound impact. Ramita redefined the visual look of Spider-Man, bringing a sense of realism, fluidity, and dynamic action to the character that helped define the modern look and feel of the character, and would go on to become the gold standard. With this fresh new look at Ramita's talent for romance and soap opera stories, the series flourished with a full introduction of Mary Jane Watson in Amazing Spider-Man number 42, becoming one of the most iconic panels in Marvel's history. The popularity of Spider-Man skyrocketed and he quickly became a flagship character for Marvel Comics and created an iconic figure in pop culture. Ramita would also be co-creator for some of Marvel's most iconic characters. This includes the Punisher, Kingpin, Luke Cage, and even Wolverine. His designs added depth and visual distinctiveness to these characters, influencing their portrayal and popularity. His ability to convey emotion and action through his artwork enhanced the overall narrative impact of these stories he illustrated. These visual storytelling techniques, along with the panel composition and pacing, had a profound impact on subsequent generations of comic book artists. After a successful run as an artist, Ramita transitioned to editor at Marvel Comics. He served as the company's art director and eventually editor-in-chief. Ramita's work and approach to artistry served as an inspiration and influence to other comic book artists that were following in his footsteps. He had a willingness to share knowledge and mentor young talent, shaping the next generation of comic book artists. That is just a small piece of who John Romita Sr. is, as he was a great man and commanded respect from so many peers. That's the bell, but before you leave, I got a little bit of homework for you. I challenge you, the next time you're enjoying a piece of Spider-Man media, to just look a little deeper and realize something there was influenced by John Romita Sr. Otherwise, I'm Professor Cellphone Walla Keys. I hope you took really good notes, and I'll see you next class. Those videos are so good. And yeah. You, I, will you learn so, I will say on that note, though, first of all, like fantastic video, fantastic tribute. Um, but this is one that's kind of close to my heart a little bit. Mm -hmm. as a big Spider-Man fan and, 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 you know, knowing JR's work um, and JR Jr.'s work pretty well. And I will say, um, man, it, it it almost as iconic as losing a Stanley, in my opinion. Um, and, and the one story I will share really quick uh, is again, we don't want to derail. I want to keep it um, on time, though. I was, you know, looking through all the tributes and, and whatnot. And I think 
I remember when Robin Williams died, um, having to cover that and seeing the things that really resonate with you or the people that he helped, you know, that come out afterwards and, and share these amazing stories. And mm -hmm. Norm Macdonald was one and, and another person we lost. But um, for Romita, I saw it was Bob Layton, um, who is the, you know, the iconic artist for Iron Man and a, a multitude of other uh, projects. And, um, <clears throat> and I, it's, it's so touching when people have an impact that is beyond the comics. And basically the, the story goes that, you know, Bob Layton was trying to get into comics, him and good friends like Joe Rubenstein and other people that now are icons, but at the time we're trying to get in, he was dropping off like freelance work at Marvel and Romita, who was the art director at the time, basically he heard him over the phone saying, we got to get this book done. It was some book that had to be done in four days or, or whatever it was. Um, and hats off to Bob Layton too, pops his head in the, in the office and is like, I can get it done. Cause he couldn't find an artist to get it done. Like an inker, I think. Um, he got back together. And this is another thing that, that resonates this day and age too. His friends like Joe and other people that are also Marvel icons now helped him out to get it done because he really was over his head. Came back, sent it in, didn't hear from Romita for a month. It got published. And then a, a month later, he got a, 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 a like a, a box on his doorstep. And it was essentially the next couple of books for him to ink. And Romita had been like, something like something funny and witty like jazzy john would say like being like you got the gusto kid you welcome to marvel um and yeah he basically ended the the tribute by saying i owe my entire career to that man so that's the kind of stuff i love to hear is like people taking chances on people and really affecting you know obviously he impacted spider-man and so many other things but when you impact a person like that and we can all we all hope to do something like that one day for somebody you know and yeah that way so Absolutely. No, that's a great story. I remember you telling me that, but we're going to go ahead and we're going to get moving. Yeah. We are, we are trying to, we don't, we, we don't want to make CJ wait any longer in the green room. So um, we want to go ahead and welcome um, CJ. Uh, CJ is the founder of in the name of comics. Um, he is, they just had a, um, a soft launch of their website. Um, they're really trying to build things and they're really looking to make an impact um, in, um, in the industry, um, with, uh, with other people and in the fandom. And so, um, we could not, not have, uh, CJ join us and talk a little bit about himself and about what he's planning on doing. So we're going to go ahead and welcome CJ here and, uh, welcome, man. How are you doing? Hey, mama, I made it. <laughs> initiative. What is up? How are you guys doing today? We're doing great. Tonight, and, uh, yeah. And by the way, thank you for, thank you for taking the time to, to meet with us. Um, we know that, you know, nine o'clock is probably not the best time in the world, but. Um, <laughs> Wait a second. Yeah. Time out. Time nah, out. I'm a night, I'm a night owl, man. It's, it's all good, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going 24 seven, bro. As long as yeah. I'm awake. Whoever's watching it out there, please record this moment. So wait, so Tony, you're admitting that nine o'clock is an interesting time slot. Well, depending <laughs> based based on the fact that fifty percent of the Nerd Initiative founding um, administrative staff feels that way, I have to at least say that in some cases it's that way. Um, the other fifty percent doesn't believe it. So um, because well, I just I mean, mind you, you know, it's nine o'clock. Nine o'clock, one place is six o'clock another place so i right. mean you know the sun is up somewhere you know what i mean it, yeah it's on you guys five o'clock somewhere yeah so for those of yeah. you who don't know 
Um, part of the reason, like how this even got together with us, uh, you know, meeting up with CJ, um, of course we had a, we had a large presence at nerd initiative, um, for C2E2 this last year. Um, we had our booth and one of the things we did was our nerd origin stories and getting everybody else's. And we did our, we did our expounding the MCU or not our expounding the MCU, the MCU trivia panel. panels. Right. And so, um, <laughs> CJ was, was, was there and I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to throw you under the bus, man, but, um, we had, we had a, we had a very, uh, very like healthy discussion after the trivia and just, I think the fact of us having that conversation even yeah. when we were at different ends of, of the art, the discussion, like you could tell it was a healthy, friendly discourse. Mm -hmm. And yes. at that point it, it, it was only kismet that we would continue to like have a relationship. And so, yeah. um, you know, by all means, like you, you came to our booth and, uh, your brother was definitely talking a bunch of, uh, a crap about you. Uh, yeah. but that's what we do. Yeah, exactly. That's what we do. And, um, and so, so it just, I, it was just kind of meant to be. And we, we, we talked to you, you did an interview with us. Um, we did an interview with you and um, it's ever since, but let's do this. Um, since I'm, I, we can't always assume that everyone's ever done the whole, you know, going through all of our nerd origin stories. So you, what is your nerd origin story and what got you to found in the name of comics? Um, the nerd origin story I would I would say my my origin story as far as um, being into comic books specifically would be my mom noticing that I like to read and that I was very excited about reading uh, comic books so she bought me a bunch of comic books starting with uh, GI Joe number ten. Mm. And then from there, it just kept going. Uh, I started, um, whenever I made money, I would, after school, I would run to the store and I would buy comics, whatever it was. It was always Marvel, though. I was always into Marvel. It was never, I don't, I don't think I started buying DC until COVID. And that's like 30 <laughs> some odd, 35 some odd years later, right? So, um I grew up in a neighborhood that had a lot of street activity and I was blessed to be on in favor of the people that were in charge and they allowed me to be at peace sitting on my mom's stoop reading comic books while Harlem, New York was um alive and well and uh, I found myself trying to imitate different things. You know how kids are. They, they see Kung Fu. They want to do Kung Fu. I saw Daredevil. I wanted to jump buildings. Mm. So I'm still here, thank God. Um, and I literally just had the opportunity to tell Charlie Cox personally how much Daredevil actually influenced me and that I was actually... Uh, he was in Harlem filming and I told him, you know, I used to actually literally run these rooftops trying to be like Daredevil. And now you're here in the same block that I used to run. So that was like a, one of those amazing stories. And, um, you know, I just kept collecting, 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 collecting. 
lost a lot. Grandma threw away probably about $500,000. Today, $500,000 no. worth of comic books. All the original X-Men from number oh. two to 94. All the original Thors, because Thor, uh, Thor and Namor are my favorite characters. Um, and uh, yeah, I just kept collecting, kept collecting, thinking I was going to be able to get those things back. But they just shot up in price way too much for me because I started having kids. So um, I went on to doing other things. Uh, you know, my first real career was in the music industry. And then I got out of that and I was trying, you know, um, I think the internet hit and it changed the dynamics of how, you know, uh, business was ha handled. So I branched out, I started doing other things I was passionate about. Um, I landed in healthcare. And while I was doing it, I was just thinking like, you know, I love healthcare, but what am I going to do after this? And my daughter and I were having a heart to heart. And she said, you know, you selling me something. And I started making analogies between Wolverine and Beast from some comic book. And she was like, you've been doing that my whole life. You need to do something with all of that knowledge, comic book knowledge that you have in your head. And I thought about it and I said, okay, she's right. And I started just thinking of what do I want to do with this passion I have for comic books and how can I do something that will, I can naturally and organically do with my kids. Um, that was the original intent was just for me to have something that I could do with my children and um, pass on as a legacy to them. So it broadened out into, you know, I'm a big, you know, I'm a, I'm a big creator. I, I, so we, I created an initiative. And so I ultimately want to um, help creators, anybody that wants to work in the comic book um, industry, related industry. So whether you want to be an artist, whether you want to be a lawyer that, change, that works on copyright law, whether, it doesn't matter. As long as you want to work with comic book related industries, um, we are creating a foundation for the most driven, most talented, genius, underprivileged talent um, to help you. To, we're creating programs to make sure that every step of the way you understand what it takes. Because like I said, my first career was in entertainment mm. and um, music. And I was a creator of um, some things that the world that some things some things that became a world phenomenon, some artists that became a world phenomenon. I helped out, and I did not have the right guidance. I didn't have the right um, support team to make sure that my interests were covered. And it's just been you know that passion is to make sure that. Um, I take what I've learned and I push it forward to the next generation. So I hope that's long-winded, but I hope that <laughs> puts it no, in that's a nutshell. No, that's fantastic. I actually like, it's funny cause I can resonate with that coming from 
media and working at ABC and Good Morning America and things like that, I think one of the founding, you know, things of Nerd Initiative and what we do here was to help people avoid the pitfalls that I had, right? And so I think that right. it's kind of, it's not kind of, it's definitely similar. So I, I resonate with that. And I think that's, it is a great cause. And it's kind of cool to, to really like turn around and help others through, you know, take it, taking it one step further, moving it along. I, I love that. Thank you. What yeah, I, what we're, I, like, we're like friends. Yeah. yeah. Well, what I find it, what I find so interesting and it, it, it kind of like, it, it, again, every time you've, you've, you've told me kind of like a little bit about your background, I have kind of gleaned something from that. Like the whole daredevil thing. We talked about that at, at C2E2 where it was, you know, you, you had this idea of, you know, Matt Murdock tries to help people who, who don't have the ability or the, the means to help themselves. It right. kind of where the law failed them. Matt stepped in as daredevil. Mm -hmm. You know, you're trying to, you know, not only better your community, but better, you know, people who want to get into the industry that they, you know, that they, they aspire to from all the things. I mean, we just talked about John Romita senior and everything right. he did. There are so many people who hearing that story about, you know, offering to ink something. And then a month later finding out you got the gig. Like that is, that is the dream of so many, you know, artists and inkers and or aspiring artists and inkers. But Right. Even just you talking like the pandemic, this, the, the last couple of years has been, I think, transformative for our society. Some ways bad, but a lot of ways good, because I think a lot of us had to realize that when you take everything away, what do you leave behind? And the fact that you want to build a legacy, not only for your kids, but, mm. you know, for others, that that's 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 a breakthrough thing. And I hope you don't ever take that for granted. Um, oh, yeah. You know, one of the things that Michael and I tried to do when we built Nerd Initiative was, you know, to make something that, first of all, we'd be able to do what we love. But then the second time that we would treat people in a way that we haven't seen other others being treated. Yeah. And yes. and that's kind of the driving force. And I think, though, some people might think of it as not profitable or not even a smart business plan. I wouldn't change the experiences of meeting you and other people and Right. And, you know, our creators. So, you know, I see a lot of things that are very similar and parallel to what we're doing yeah. um, and what, so, you're, what yeah. you're planning on. Thank you. So um, that's how In the Name of Comics came about where, uh, when you spoke to the profitability. So I spent the first two years basically um, giving myself a crash course on the online fandom as well as the industry. Mm -hmm. um, I was lucky because I, because of my history and my experience and relationships in entertainment and just having a, a really big family, um, I was able to kind of, you know, use those relationships to find out what's going on behind the scenes, um, understand the nature of you know, everything from journalism to scoopers to the actors to the agents and um, even down to the guys that work in the studios doing whatever. And I just realized that we're so fragmented. This 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 fandom and this culture is so yeah. not mm -hmm. together, right? So um, needless to say, my crash course failed miserably, but that <laughs> meant that I, that meant that I learned 
exemplary. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I found out, you know, um, you know, I learned a lot and I learned how to do a lot on my own. And I realized it's never going, what I want to do with, with this is never going to work by trying to connect to people through the internet um, without meeting them. So a lot of time was spent trying to get to know people that actually don't want to be known. You know, um, they don't want they don't want to have those personal connections. So how can you actually help someone or how can you help a generation if you aren't going to meet them where they're at? Mm-hmm. So I realized, OK, this isn't for me. These th- this generation and these type of this this cult that's in the fandom um they're necessary but that's not where i'm going to um achieve my goals so i start you know my partner and i um john cato um we put in the name of comics into play in order to create an online cultural marketplace that's going to be like a lightning rod and a a lighthouse for like-minded people like you and and me Mm -hmm. and that are serious about this for the long haul. So I've already like I'm I've already envisioned that this is going to be my quote unquote retirement plan. Right. Mm -hmm. So my career is is fine. I'm good. Um, Now it's about just making more money so that I can do the things I need to to set this foundation up to set up this business so that I can step away from in the name of comics as far as being in front and let others come in while I handle the um, philanthropic arm of it, because that's really where my passion is at. Like I was telling Tony yesterday, you know, I had a dream that, um, that I was, I took a group of really talented kids to Bali, you know what I mean? Like actually to Singapore and we, we got them to learn a different skill that they didn't even think that they would ever learn. You know what I mean? Those are the mm-hmm. type of things I want to do. I want to give, I want to give people new experiences. I want them to look at their talents as um, not just expressions of themselves, but as a business. And I want them to look at themselves as, you know, how to take care of themselves in order to um, weather the long weather the storm or whatever it needs so that they have the longevity in their careers because there's so much talent out here it makes no sense why um you know marvel and dc are here and there's not enough competition you know mer- emerging you yeah. know what i mean well, and, and it, it that would only make the industry and the culture better yeah, I think I, I think like what you were saying. You, you when we were talking, I, it, it definitely picked up. So, um, just to kind of paraphrase, kind of like what we talked about the other day is, you know, you have this idea that you want to do this philanthropic, uh, you know, direction of in the in the name of comics, um, yes. but that does take resources, that takes capital. And so, what you started was with the soft the soft food of your of your site. You know, you're getting everything everything set, and of course, the site looks beautiful. I mean, if I yeah, I pull this back you. up here, I mean. You, you, <laughs> I, I told, I was telling CJ Michael, like, uh, and, and if you don't know about this, we're actually in the process of 
working on an update to nerd initiative yeah. and i believe the same system that runs this um is is what our site is going to be based on uh, is it webflow i think it's i think it's webflow because it's uh, shout shout out shout out my guy angel he he took um he took my vision and simplified it so that we could actually start um this is the base level of what we're going to do there will be mm -hmm. a lot of interactive stuff coming um god willing sooner than later um yep. but like what you're seeing like with the video right there so we we've been traveling we've been traveling and we've been filming um pilots for different shows that we're going to be having on our youtube and twitch pages wow. we haven't so um you actually this is time. this is actually us in singapore and in portland at the Marvel exhibit. So we just took a little bit of what we we shot and put it there just to let you guys know, like we're out here, we're not, you know, we're not just staying local, we're global with this. Yeah. Um, we travel, we're looking for comics everywhere in the world, we're looking for talent, we're looking for like-minded people everywhere in the world. You, you, you don't realize how, how long I have wasted time on just looking at this heading. Like I, I, I've, been, I've watched it number a number of times. And if you, and if you just missed it, yeah. those canisters with the symbiotes, like were mm -hmm. those, I mean, like, and then there's Maestro. I mean, <laughs> the stuff that you're, 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 you're encountering. And like, like I was saying, you're the philanthropic stuff comes later, but like you're, right. you're, you're looking at selling like collectibles, art, comics, like you're like, there's even a, a call yeah. here. Like if someone, if someone's like looking to sell like a collection, um, you are building, yeah. you are, you are trying to build something where it not only where people could possibly give toward it, but you're building it. So it's self-sustaining. And I think yeah. that's, yeah. that's probably one of the most <laughs> noble things because a lot of people who say I'm going to help people, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take, and I'm going to ask for money. I want you to give <laughs> me something so I can then turn around and on your dime, do this. You're not doing that. Yes, no. I imagine if someone offers you a, a sum of money to be able to help, you're not going to say no. But you're you're looking at this depending as a, this on where the money of, comes like, from, right? Depending right. on where the money comes from, I'm and like, that's <laughs> noble too. That's that's very noble to say that as well because some people wouldn't care where it comes from. But the fact that you're building something where it will it will pay itself off, and yeah. you're you're building where you know if this if this really hits the ground and gets running, and you know as you show more things. Um, you know, there's, there's definitely commerce in, in the collectibles aspect. And I think you're even, I, I, if I remember correctly, like just kind of like overviewing the site, you're not just mm -hmm. kind of looking to, to kind of like be in the, in the, in the sales, but you're also wanting to kind of explain and help people understand what yeah. the market's like, especially with comics. Yeah. Cause so it can be very confusing. Yeah. One of our <laughs> services is actually, um, consulting. So like, you know, just for an example, you know, we we pay attention to what's going on with Marvel um, ever so closely. I do it naturally. And mm -hmm. then Secret Invasion, like, you know, is here. So anticipating what was going on with Secret Invasion and looking at the nature of the Young Avengers being introduced mm. and the younger generation, Knowing, Sam, you know, knowing Samuel Jackson is getting older, I'm like, eh, why don't we look at first appearances of Nick Fury Jr. 
So I invested in the one and only um, 9.8 signed by Stan Lee of Nick Fury Jr. And we're about to put that on the site. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So knowing how things are going, we're, we're, we're looking at how we can also speculate on what's going on in the culture to make a profit not just so we're not looking to just ask people to help us for money. We're looking how we can make money ourselves together, right? Just with, just with information and trust, you know, and then use that money to do better things for other people. Um, we also like, we're getting ready to like, it's a soft launch. So our first giveaway are going to be two tickets to the X-Men Hellfire Gala, um, on July 22nd. Um, you know, we're just asking people to come join the website, join our social media. Let us know you're out here. Tell us what we can do to help you. You get to a certain amount. We're going to do a raffle. Whoever gets it, gets it. You know, um, mm-hmm. hope you got to be in San Diego, obviously. Right. But Michael, are you aware of this? The, the, the Hellfire Gala that's happening? I've seen, yeah, I've seen there's that. And there's also the X-Men experience, too, which is... Um, yeah, it's Portland, right? Is it Portland or somewhere? And it's like well, Portland X Mansion. Oh, I don't know. The Portland, the Portland exhibit is over. Um, okay, I got to look up this. The, there's the there's, there's an event. Where Chris Claremont's gonna be there. Is that the ga- X X the Hell's? Is that that? Yeah, one? I think, uh, yeah, I think he. Yeah, I think he's gonna be. Okay. He's gonna be. Yeah. So it's the Hellfire Gala. It's the first inaugural Hellfire Gala. That might be it. Um, that I saw. It's 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 um, being thrown by D23. It's the same weekend of San Diego Comic Con. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I'll be um, there. <laughs> oh, you are you going? Yeah, we're gonna. Yeah, me and the wife are gonna go. We're gonna try to go for. She's what like five months pregnant now. So at that point she'll be six. So we're, you know, we're going to try to, yeah, yeah. Good luck. Um, so she's going to try <laughs> to suck it up for a day or two and see what we can do. Um, so yeah. nothing crazy, nothing planned, no panels or whatever, but um, definitely just be enjoying there. it. Yeah, yeah. Being part of the culture. Yeah. We're not going to, I'm not going to be able to make it. Um, but we want to be able, like I said, we want to give people experiences and we want them to, you know, we want them to be a part of this from the ground up because we're doing it for them. We're doing it for mm-hmm. this gen- this generation coming up. And the only way I know is to put the time in, put the faith in, put our own, you know, hard-earned money and sweat into it and ask for people that think like us, that feel like us, that this can be even better um, to join us. And... Mm-hmm get something along the way, um, get something that you will love to keep a keepsake while feeding us financially. So that's Mm -hmm. how we, that's how we looked at it. We also offer private, um, private counseling as well. Like we grade comics, we curate comics. Um, I'm in my office. I can't show you, but I have a whole, um, cleaning, uh, yeah, I have a whole system. Oh, you're doing cleaning doing, and pressing too. Yeah, wow. I do cleaning and pressing. Um, I do my. I've been grading my own comics. So shout out to Big Apple Comics on 96th Street. Not sorry, 95th Street, 96th Street, and Broadway. That was my first home away from home for comics. They taught me how to grade 
I'm giving my age back then now, you know, we're talking about the, um, the eighties. And, um, so I've been grading, like my cousins would tell you, I've been a, a grading fanatic bags and boards since I was 12 years old. And, you know, it just You're better than I am. Oh my goodness. I, <laughs> I ruined a lot of good comics. What are that's why my, that's why my AKA is mint God. Cause you know, most of my comics are near mint or, you know, I, I keep I keep really good care of my comics. I'm always fascinated because again, it, it's such a talent, and I mean this to, to grade comics. And so when I, you'll see my face light up when someone says, you know, I still have I have the CGC book. I still haven't gone through. Me and CGC, we'll see. We got a little bit of issues right now, but <laughs> I, I still believe in the process. What are some of the things like and tips for people to learn that? Because I think it is such an important skill to see things, and I'm learning as I go along the journey you know, color breaking bends and, you know, spine ticks, which is like yeah. everyone's nightmare. What, what, what are some of the beginning tips for people that, that want to get into that or even just want to get the basic information that they're into comics? It's, it's so key. Well, um, CGC just put out a really um, comprehensive book hmm. on, on grading. Um, I have, I'm going through it. I haven't officially like read it, but I, I expect it to be, um, probably the the most comprehensive book to date on grading. Um, also, going into your local comic book stores, man, and and talking to the old, the old heads that have been doing this for a while. That experience and time yeah. in this culture collecting is worth its weight in gold. You know, when you lived it, and you've had trial and error, and you've learned from those older than you. You just have a certain wisdom about you that you know. You know, you, you'll know what to do. Um, besides that, getting some kind of experience in studying art and actually looking at how to grade art, period, and you know, ink and making sure that your UV lights are the right type because if you mm. use if you use the wrong UV lights, you could be, you know, you could um, fade the ink, which would mm -hmm. obviously degrade, you know, I mean, devalue the book. Um, I didn't learning, even think about that. Down to, down to hold, learning how you hold a book. You know what I mean? Like, I see so many, even in the comic book, even in the, the local comic book stores, like, I cringe sometimes at how... Um, store you know the store clerks even them the way that they hold the books i'm like that could be like a, a hundred dollar book and you just like turned it into twenty dollars you know um stuff like that learning about humidity mm -hmm. learning about paper learning the history of how comic books were printed to begin with so that you when you get down to the silver age books um mm -hmm. you're not damaging them um practice Constant practice, constant practice. Um, yeah, you gotta, you gotta be about, you gotta live it. If you, if you're not living it, uh, I don't think it's the, the thing for you. Now, is this, know. is this a comment? Is this the book you're, you're referencing? Um, oh, I have a copy back here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We got I, our. Now the question is, our, do you have your CGC grading guide graded? I have it signed by the president. Um, we got ours in um, New York Comic Con, mm. but cool. I, I'm not. Nah, I'm not. I sometimes I get things signed just because, like, I 
I go to all the Comic Cons when I'm in fan mode with uh, Omnibus, the Avengers Omnibus, and I just give them, give it to them, to you know, people to sign. I'm never gonna get it graded. It's just yeah. so that I have signatures and I have that story on why they signed where they signed. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But um, nah, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through that book with a, like a fine tooth comb. And pick up pick up game because CGC, yeah, CGC is um, you know they're in front, and then once Jay Z and his uh, Blackstone company came in and you know bought bought it, and you know they're they're in front. They're, so basically, they're they're um, how do I say it? They're setting the pace for everybody right now. Mm-hmm. So we got to play by their rules. Yeah. Now, now, now we're, I'm going to like kind of shift gears here for a minute. Now you talked about, um, you know, you got the, the Nick Fury Jr. Uh, comic um, inspired yes. by what's going on with secret invasion. Um, and we've had secret invasion episode one come out. Now I, I, I would be amiss to say anything. And I, I'll, I'll say this because it's already been touched on a lot on the internet, but um, you know, especially when you're talking about getting people in the industry, especially if they want to be illustrators or, or anything like that. Uh, um, yeah. It's unfortunate that they did the whole AI generated, you know, intro Im- images because th- that's, that's job, especially with you have the WGA strike, you probably have the, the S was it the, the, S, the SAG um, yeah. strike like looming. Um, and of course we know that these comic book creators don't get, proper you know compensation compensation for what they're doing or credit Uh, at times right yeah absolutely i mean like even pulling page to to screen almost Mm -hmm. almost completely identical images uh right that that's unfortunate but what did you think about um secret invasion episode one we we gotta we gotta i gotta ask you um it took me because of my schedule, it took me four tries to get through the first episode. Okay. It was always something. Um, I did get through it because I had a feeling you were going to ask me about it. That's why <laughs> I, I pulled. That's why I pulled the 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 slab as well. I was like, they're going to ask me about Secret Invasion because this, you know. So um, yes, I was disappointed about the AI. I thought that I didn't even. And you know what the thing is? I thought that it, at first I just was like this doesn't even look right. Something is wrong. This looks, this is not real art or, you know, I mean, art is, is yeah. you know, it's relative, but in the end I was looking at it and I didn't, and then I saw the next day that was AI. And I was like, Oh, that's why. Yeah. And then, so, okay. And I thought about it later and I realized, Oh, okay. So WGA strike, this is their way of, um, this is their way of, of, you know, poking the bear. And, you know, I, I thought that was a, a, not a very smart, um, human Agreed. relations, human relations move. Agreed. If you actually still, if you're actually still trying to hire creators, um, past that into the episode, I was, I was pretty, I was pretty excited for the episode. 
and I was really bummed out by the ending. Oh, hold on, hold on. Let me I'm just, not going to spoil it. I'm, I'm just going to put gonna that say... up there at the top just for a minute, just in case if you want to say something. If you've not seen Secret Invasion, plug your ears. But there was okay. a very unfortunate thing that happened at the end of the episode. Yeah. Are we doing spoilers? If you want to, I've got that up there just in case. A, that way people I'm, can't I'm, say. Let's do Look, we, it's guys. All right, spoiler, yada, yada, yada. Okay, hold on, hold on. We got to do it. We got to do it. I love it. If I love CJ it. CJ tried four it. times to get through it and got through it during due to his schedule. That's fact. No one out there better complain. We just give a spoiler. Yeah. So let's Yo, go. I, I went to the NBA draft last night, bro. Came home and watched Secret Invasions just to be ready <laughs> for this. You heard? Yeah. I'm still in the same clothes. Like, okay, so, <laughs> so here. All right, here's the reality. Um. Samuel Jackson is getting old. Mm -hmm. So they were very smart in how you, you know, ageism is a real thing, even mm -hmm. in, even in the comic book industry yeah. and definitely in every other industry as well. That's that pandas to youth. Um, the script was written well to mm -hmm. give um, Nick Fury some kind of, um, what's the word? The, the unexpected, the unexpected strength, you know, that old man strength, right? Mm -hmm. He's, he's so experienced. You don't know if he's playing to whoever he thinks is watching. Then we realize, you know, as time goes on, the script is being written so that if you ever look back at it again, you say, oh, he did that on purpose for real. And not just the stuff he said he did on purpose, but other little things. Mm -hmm. So I really like that about it. Um, moving through that into the protagonist, um, I like, uh, what's the brother's name, Ben? Um, is it Ben Kadir? Oh, Ben Kadir. Ben Kadir. Nelson? Um, yeah, I, I like him as an actor already. So it was interesting to see how they were playing him. And, you know, Ben Mendelsohn. Um, yeah, I can't remember. If anybody remembers Gravik's real name, the actor's name, tell me. I know it's Kadir something, but I don't know if it's yeah, Ben. Yeah, I'll look that up. Um, I looking this up the other day. And then you could see that the dynamic was Kingsley, Kingsley Ben Benadir. Kingsley. Mm. Okay, yeah. Kingsley. So I like that it's grounded. I like that it's um I do not feel that it's giving me it it, it didn't, it's not giving me Winter Soldier vibes at all. So I'm sorry, I just me personally. I don't It's giving me Born Ultimatum vibes. Yeah, that, I, I would, yeah, that, that, I can yeah. see that. Yeah, I'm yeah, a yeah, big Born fan, so I, yeah, yeah, my wife is too. So I, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. You know, um, and then it's obviously building a generation, like it's showing you that there are generations at at war right now, right? So you have um, Gia, Gaia at at odds with her father. She's on the sides. He proclaims of the person of the group that killed her mother. I mean, how how 
much crazier can it get from there, right? So by the end, and when we lose our favorite, you know, right hand, um, I won't say her name, but I will. Uh, you know, Maria Hill was killed. Come on. I'm not, I'm, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, At this point, we got I, a spoiler alert. We're good. Yeah. But I mean, good. Like, I I mean, it, 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 it raised the gravity of it, you know. I mean, you know, it's heavy now. Like, she's yeah. been there since, you know, she's been there, what, since um, Avengers. Yeah. I'm really one. hoping that, like, episode two is going to show – like the moments after where she transforms back into a scroll. I really hope that's the case. The, the thing, no, she, they did an interview. She said, this is it. Yeah. She did an interview and said, this is it. You had to tell she me doesn't that, didn't think, you? She said, she said um, the only way she sees herself coming back, well, she implied the only way she sees herself coming back is as a variant. Wow. And so you never know, like, but she thinks that's it. I so, mean, for, for Tony, think about this too. Um, I don't know if you saw the parallel to this, right? So, Talos obviously lost his wife, yeah. who we know from Far From Home was being Maria Hill, right? right? So I thought about that too. I was like, oh, is it a scroll? And then I was like, no, there's a symbolism there. Yep. You know, Talos lost his wife, probably in a similar situation. And then now Sam Jackson lost his, you know, right hand. And so, yeah, it's right. not. There's no way it's a scroll because it, it, it it's too it would be yeah, that makes sense. You can't do that twice. The one thing I will say that, that I thought of when when I saw it, um, and I do think it's real, but I also think it's a little it's a little forced in the sense that like look, we, we lose yes. people all the time and, and it's totally fine. Yes. And I'm not one I am not one to do this or say this or bring this up. Um, but I made a video about it and I said, like, look, like it felt like fridging. And for those who don't know what fridging is, it's basically when the women, either the girlfriend or the, the female sidekick, dies as motivation to 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 get the male hero going. And for someone who's not, I don't think about those things all the time. I try to enjoy the content. It just it was too much in my face, and I was like, wait, you know, he's he's older, he needs motivation to come back. And I'm like, they kill, and it's just like, it's almost like it parallels the AI in my sense. Like I, I loved the first episode. I didn't notice the AI until afterwards. And then the ending was kind of a shock. Right. And it does feel a little forced. And I, I hope that there's a, you know, I hope it gets, I wouldn't say it gets better because I like the first episode. I just hope that there's not all these classic tropes in there and, and things like that. So have you guys also heard the report that some point in this, in this show, there is going to be a scroll reveal that is going to break fans' hearts. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't think I've heard anything that I, I could say that I believed. I'm not saying, you know, I'm just saying like, you know, rumors, scoops, all that stuff, whatever. Mm -hmm. I, I, didn't, I didn't hear anything that I actually took for, you know, for sure but it's kind of obvious that it has to, right? Like yeah. for it to be, for it to, it doesn't have to be exactly like the comics, but I mean, even in the comics, there were so many of our favorite characters that, you know what I mean? Like the whole thing started with Elektra, you know what I mean? Like, and we talk, you know, me the, talking about Daredevil, like it started with Elektra, scroll, what the, you know? So it's gotta be somebody important to us, somebody that we yeah. already feel we've had a relationship with the whole time. Um, hmm. And then the whole idea that 
like the way Gravik was smiling when he shot her and she died and and, and Nick's holding her and just, it, it, it was you. I, I guess that's the fridging that, you know, yeah. you guys are talking about. Yeah, because she was a, she was a, she was a plot piece at that point because yeah. she was she was she was she was meant to hurt Nick, and right. and that was no her. Sp- I, but I'll be honest with you, the the first thing I thought when when this whole thing was going on was, what if what if Nick Fury had a relation with a scroll and graphic is like related to Nick? That's what that's what I'm saying. Like that's like, that, that, that that's that's what it, I mean. Either either said, that well, or. Well, well, if you notice things. that graphic is specifically using that one that one person's face as much as he is, what, what if, if what if he son? killed Nick's son and he's he's using that face as another way to just be stabbing at Nick? Or he's holding his son, right? Like because yeah, it's either to me it's either well okay so two things the 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 one point I was saying was like okay so if they kill Maria Hill in the first episode. They have to have something even crazier happen later. So the mm-hmm. whole idea that somebody important to us was a scroll the whole time makes total sense, and it ups the ante. But if you're already going to kill Maria in the first episode, you you, you got to do something, right? Yeah. And then to end it all to speak to the the way that it would end, so that it's even crazier is yes, Nick Fury said in the first episode that he's seen better looking scrolls than Talos, right? So that was like one of those foreshadowings. Like, okay, mm. does this mean he finds scrolls attractive? Is that what you're trying to say? Okay. Right? And then the hmm. next thing is the next thing is the alluding to Nick and Gravik's relationship um with um Sonia Fallsworth, um also with uh Maria when she's talking to him. Mm-hmm. Um and uh yeah, just the whole thing of Nick saying it's personal. It's personal. You know what I mean? It so, it, it just that it, it totally makes sense. So I'm looking at the cast, right? And we have it's a, and we know it's a six part series. And I'll be quick because I don't want to derail on a bunch of speculation. But we, we know sorry, sorry. no 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 i love it i think it's great i would do this all day long if we we had time um but i'm looking at the cast and i i don't think it's going to be ross right because ross obviously i think we already saw that 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 was a stand-in but man what if it's Rhodes? so i thought that but i think okay if you go back and look at that episode he is acting shifty but i think it's a misdirect i don't think it's going to be roadie the only, the only way that that would be funny though is if Rhodey, like you know it's revealed that he's a scroll but then he gets like like the scroll Rhodey gets like shot or something and it's literally Terrence Howard like oh, <laughs> oh, no. oh, oh you're crazy like I'm, I'm done with you play <laughs> no, that would be not. incredible for, for nah, that would I be just, amazing I think, I think that it's I think that Rhodes is right next to the president. I think Rose is going to have the access to the armor. Oh, he's going to he's going to get access to damage control because obviously be they're already they're already. Um, don't know, forget! Getting, don't forget the power broker too. Well, I already said she. You know, um, I already think she's a scroll. So that's I don't. I, you know, 
but I think that might be shown in Armor Wars or whatever. But for this, I think Rhodes is going to get access to damage control, to get access to Stark technology. Once mm -hmm. he has the Stark technology, we find out he's a scroll and it leads into Armor Wars. This is completely speculation. I have no, yeah. I have no, so, um, you know, my people at Disney, I'm not scooping anything here. I don't know anything about this. Um, I'm just talking. And if I'm right, then maybe you guys should just holler at us so we can help you write better stories that will keep <laughs> us on our toes. Okay. So this is interesting yeah. too, because um, Ken said from ODP, uh, ODP podcast, what if Fury was a school the whole time? I mean, that's, that's plausible as well. We've seen that already. That's plausible as well. Um, the Rhodes thing to what CJ just said would be a, another trope. And I don't know if you meant that when you said help you write better stories, because what I would see unfolding. Yes, that's exactly what I mean. Okay. So this is where, <laughs> so look, I'm going to take you one better. And this is, this yeah. is, and my wife always says, this is the stuff that she loves. And we talk about this on the show and we like our knowledge and we know I'm going to take mm -hmm. you one bit better. And I just watched too many movies and too many shows and we're going to vibe here. If that's yeah. how, if that's how secret invasion goes, I'm going to predict armor wars. Rhodey's a scroll leads in, you know, leads an army, this stuff like that, but also he's become too humanized. Talk about a classic trope. He was best friends with Tony. He was there forever. He's been there since the eighties and, and obviously whatever. And he'll be the saving grace that will pull it back and will, will turn his back on graphic and, and the scrolls and will kind of come to our side. That's another classic storyline that I could see happening if it ends up being Rhodey. Or, and then, or, or we could do the classic trope of Return of the Jedi and Rhodey is the Jedi. You know, a scroll, but the real Rhodey is on ice somewhere and they have to go find him. <laughs> and you know, you know, they got to go save the real Rhodey. I thought you were calling Rhodey Darth Vader where he makes his final, like, you know, uh, final, final, final move to return back to, to Grace is him killing Gravik or, you know, like throwing the Emperor off the uh, the ledge. Which... Well, see, that's the thing that I'm stuck on. I, I really believe that Kingsley is not going to be done after um, Secret Invasion. Mm. So, you know, I mean, he's just too good of an actor. He's, he's you know, he's in position to... <laughs> uh, <laughs> shout out, shout out ODPH. Um, yeah, yeah, he's man. great. He's I, brilliant. I I don't I don't think that um I don't think Kingsley's gonna be done. I could be wrong. I I think that if Gaia is gonna come to our side, there's rumors that she's gonna be the MCU version of um, Abigail Brand. Um, what if Gravik um, Gravik dies, but Nick Fury's son has been on ice. Or, or I forgot what they call the um, is it the fragmenter or what the what the, the fragging the fracking the mind frack yeah, that the yeah. that okay. the scrolls use. Um, what if what you know we saw in the trailer one of the trailers that there were um, there was a whole basically a warehouse full of um, beings that were being mind fracked right. Mm -hmm. What if you know what if Nick Fury's son is is one of those. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's saved. And then now we have the lineage 
of what happens when there's no more Nick Fury, well, there's still going to be a Nick Fury. You know what I mean? I just yeah. think that the MCU, regardless of how long it goes on, is going to always need a Nick Fury. So yeah. they might as well yeah. put him in position now. That's just. Funny. Oh wait, one last okay. thing before you go, jump in there. Uh, we were joking around earlier about Terrence Howard. Here's another <laughs> one. Again, since we have the ability now with variants and scrolls, and there's so much whatever, the most amazing thing ever would be if just for like a minute we got a David Hasselhoff Nick Fury. <laughs> oh please! <laughs> no. And then he dies or becomes a scroll. <laughs> Like just, just oh, Deadpool, please, Deadpool, please give it to us, Paul. Deadpool, please, please, Deadpool. I mean, we've already had David Hasselhoff in the MCU, so it's not beyond like he'd be willing to do something. But, but what I was thinking was, you know, I, I, I haven't heard anybody talk about this part of it, and this is not so much speculation, but you know, we have wondered since WandaVision what Monica Rambeau's problem is with Carol Danvers. And I really feel like um, the problem with Carol Danvers and Monica Rambeau has a lot to do with the whole crux of this show. We're finding out that though they were sent to go find a new home, they were never given that opportunity. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I wonder, is it, I wonder if Monica has been upset with, with, with Carol because they part of swords like thing is they've had to deal with scrolls the whole time because you know carol didn't follow through with what she promised them at the end of captain marvel yeah um, so yeah. i'm really because i'm starting I, to see that piece together like i, I feel like we're we're going to start through phases five getting explanation as to why things are happening the way they are yes i agree with you and i think i'll just point to the tag scene in shang chi and it just continued to elaborate her character of being unreliable or just saying things, you know, like, yeah. oh, Bruce has my number. I don't have her number. Or, or even, or the, even the joke in, like, in Endgame where Rocket's like, you know, you, you get a new hairdo. Like, it was kind of right. like the her hair changes all the time. She's willing to go off and do some of this other. And I, I hate doing that. I hate them, like, tagging that on because the last thing we need to do is we have this strong female character who – Oh, she's getting her hair right. done. You're gonna you're gonna put comments like that on her. But what if like she's 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 trying to deal with something that we're not aware of, whether it's dealing with the Cree or or whatever, and she's just kind of let all of these promises go by the wayside. We're gonna have to see the consequence of that. Right. Yeah. I mean, they. I don't. I, yeah. They definitely made her the. Um, the scapegoat character. Um, I, she's she's totally unreliable the way that her story has been shown right now. Like she show when she's there, she's there, but she's most of the time got an excuse on why she's not there for Earth. Um, I think, which with, I really hope they fill that out and they with, they. I think with Monica, it's it's more personal. And I think it has more to do with her mom dying mm. and her not being there for her mom. Um, that, that's just, that was just what I took from it. Mm -hmm. um, I had a bunch of issues with Captain Marvel. I had a bunch of issues with Frank Rambeau not even being considered as a character. Um, 
why did why where was why did she have to be a a single um a single parent um especially like we're talking about tropes and we're talking about those stereotypes and stuff with the black community that's just something that we in the black community we it's put on us so much that mm. you know i don't want to get too heavy with you oh guys, man i didn't even think about that that makes you know a lot of sense that's, that's insightful yeah. like it's, again it's yeah. this perspective that you know, we wouldn't think the, about the, the, the comic book the comic book frank rambo is uh a, a staunch loyal family man who was a firefighter why why would you take him out of it mm -hmm. and you could have still had the dynamic between maria and carol um so yeah i i, I think it's going to be more of a a personal thing and with carol and her the way that you know they're portraying her always not being there when she's needed and now secret invasion um, it's happening because of th those characteristics that Nick has to hold the weight of because he's stuck on Earth or close to Earth. Um, I think that's I think that's where they're going with it. It's interesting. Um, I I think that they can't really mess that up because they've been building that up so long that even if it is a little um, easy to understand when they do give it the build up for it will make it okay. And I, th I think the last thing that kind of like really like points out with me is you had this, when you go back to Captain Marvel, not speaking about Carol Danvers, but the Kree sold this concept that the, the scrolls were, were trying to take over planets and kill people. And yeah. they were the villain. And you had Talos, you know, proving that that wasn't the case. But the very same people that were with Talos are now breaking off and doing exactly what the Kree said that they would do. And it almost it almost makes you wonder, like, was Talos the exception? And like now that his 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 now that his control is obviously seems to have fallen off because they seem that they feel like that he's he's abandoned them. Fury's abandoned them, you know, has it now come to fruition what the what the Kree predicted with them. I, 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 yeah, I, I think, I think, I don't think that's the case. Um, I, I will, like, I'll, there's two points, one within the story and then one externally, right? So externally, it's really simple. I think Marvel and, and whoever the creative forces behind it back when Captain Marvel came out, like, again, you know, obviously Brie Larson gets a lot of flack, um, whether rightfully so or not, I, I'm not going to comment on that. I, I think she's a fine actress. I think yeah, the, I writing, the writing should get more flack than anything else. And I also wonder if like Marvel is regretting setting this. And I don't know if it was like a, a I don't know if it was like a gimmick or what, like setting the story in the 80s and 90s instead of being like, why did why do we put ourselves in that hole with like this time frame <laughs> and having to fill the gaps and whatever? That's the external factor. The in, internal in the story, I think if you, you know, we always talk about the, the audience isn't privy to this, but me and Tony always talk about like, you want to underpromise and overdeliver, um, and I think that's really, you know, simplifying it too much. But you can't have refugees, and I don't want to get political, but have refugees or people in need of, of something for decades and expect them just to be like, "Oh, cool, we're fine." You know, we'll just keep hanging on. Like we're gonna be fine. Like 
it's going to eventually. And turn. in the midst of it, there's a blip where there's not only this thing where they're displaced as aliens, but there's also an entire, po- you know, half of the population that have been displaced because they didn't exist for five years. Exactly. And now they're moving people over. You have the GRC and everything else going on. Like, yeah. I, I, I think at some point the, the scrolls are probably like, well, well, we'll assimilate. And then like, no, we're not doing that. We're, you know, they can't even, they can't even be kind to themselves. Let's, right. let's just take over the planet and we'll be better off. I think we will get yeah. a lot of the backstory and it'll be heartbreaking. And I'm sure there's a lot of things like graphic and I'm sure his father yeah. or mother or something happened. And I think that's going to be heartbreaking to find out. And maybe that's, maybe what someone even think about, maybe it's not Rhodes and maybe it's like, I don't know, like, someone that like was his mom but was actually a scroll and got killed you know who knows but i think we're going to see that all come together and we'll fi- we'll fill those gaps and i'm sure you know again it's like look we, we talked about last jedi or return of the jedi and then i'll stop and we can move on um or, <laughs> or, or start to wrap up i think you think about i always i i think for whatever reason the prequels of star wars whether you like them or don't like them there's a special place in a lot of people's hearts because it's really the, one of the original, uh, and I'm talking about the original Star Wars, uh, but obviously the prequels filled in those gaps. It's one of the original series that showed the path of a villain that didn't start out a villain. You know, before mm-hmm. the 70s and 80s, before that started, like everyone's like, oh, this person's bad or good. And then we started to, that's what makes it so brilliant in Empire Strikes Back, why that's such a iconic film. Because you're right. like, well, he was a good guy. And then, you know, that like that whole thing, and I think we'll see that here because obviously that's a classic journey. And it's always, for me, that always resonates with me because it's, it's that the one bad day syndrome or one bad year or what were you, you're going this way and then you go the other way and you become, whether it's a Thanos or a, a Kang or whoever, and it's, they're not born that way. It's a, a series of events. And so I think we will see that with the rebellion, with Gravik, with other people. And I think it's going to be interesting. And I, that's why the, the Vader story always resonates with me. Because it's like, yeah, this could have happened. And that could have happened. And he could have been. And why did, he, why did he cut off Sam Jackson's arm? Like, why did you do that? Like, And so, like, yeah. that, and then I'll shut up. Yeah. But I think that's, that's it's going to be fascinating. You guys, do, do you guys realize, like, I, I 100% agree with everything you just said. And I know you gotta, we got to, you know, time. Um, but everything that you're saying from the creed, scroll, mm-hmm. to the the blip the displaced people in each one of those races doesn't it doesn't it seem like it's building up to the mutants to understand why they're no why they you know what i mean and then we already know that we're getting back to that for thunderbolts you know already so yeah I, i'll shut up now no, that's oh great. no no i like that either yeah. yeah, it's like you're, we're mentally being prepared to understand that there, you know, situations that happen and being feeling not feeling be- not feeling like you belong somewhere or not having your own mm. home can turn anyone into uh, a villain or can turn someone into a uh, a selfish minded, uh, you know, creation. So um, from the Kree, it kind of takes the weight off the Kree being evil. Mm. While then now saying, well, look, we, we, we flipped it for you and Captain Marvel. So not all scrolls are evil. But yeah, there's still some bad scrolls. And hey, there's some bad humans too. And, you know, what about these, these other guys, these mutants? You know what I mean? 
I think it's a setup. I think it's yeah. a beautiful setup. And you guys, I don't even know if you realize it, but you guys, I'm like, in my head, I'm doing the same thing. I'm like, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, that's, yeah, that's what's happening. I think yeah. that's exactly what it is. I think at some point we have to do a show where we just do speculations and we just bring people on to get like, I've been trying to do that idea. for years. I've called like, <laughs> you know how much fun Listen, that you is, didn't have man. us. That's the thing. Like, I've been wanting to do it for years. Yeah. Let's do it, man. Yeah. Let's do well, it. well, we are, we are past time. It is already 1018. CJ, thank you so much for coming on. We're definitely going to have to have you back on. If thank anything, just me. to talk about like speculations and, you know, kind of <laughs> ideas. Cause it's, it's, there is something wonderful about talking about the stuff that you love yeah. and just kind of like hashing it out because I, I, I don't know what it is. We we've lost it, at, you know, as a community where you can just like hang around with your friends and be like, Hey, what about this idea? Or what about that idea? And I yeah. think that's where, that's where great, great thoughts come from. So mm-hmm. thank you for joining us. And if anyone doesn't thank know, you. if you didn't saw, you didn't see when I posted up there, I'm sorry, this is going to cover your face. Uh, be <laughs> sure to check out in the name of comics. That is the QR code that will take you thank right you. to their website. Um, yeah. It's, it's definitely, you know, give feedback. Um, you know, see, tell, you know, be sure to, you know, get in the contact, you know, tell them what you're, what you think would be some great things that you'd like to see. I, I just knowing CJ as for the short time that we've known him, um, he's a very approachable guy and um, definitely, so definitely has a great desire to help others. Um, but, uh, but yeah, thank you so much for being on. You know, we really appreciate yeah, it. Seriously. Thank you so much, guys. I had a great time. I feel energized every time I get to talk to you. So, no. We'll be doing some great things together. Hopefully right. we can get an event or two in before the end of the year. Yeah. And for those of you who are watching this, if you um, maybe you weren't able to get the whole thing, um, we probably should say this at the beginning of the show, um, but Phantoms is also um, in podcast form where you get your podcast. So if you um, can't watch with us and you can kind of like picture in your imagination how things are or what people look like. Um, please mm-hmm. be sure to check out our podcast. It's wherever podcasts are found. It's just listen like to this fandoms podcast. Way. And if I if if I didn't do this, I would lose my job on Nerd Initiative. Uh, be sure to check out the Nerd Initiative merch store. Um, you can follow <laughs> the QR code there. Um, there is nothing like having the label of being a nerd. I'm going to leave you with one story. Uh, CJ, I think I already told you this. Uh, mm. I think it was yesterday. Um, one of the greatest thing happened at the Austin con panel that we did this last weekend. Um, we did an expounding the MCU phases four and five, kind of like talking about what's happening in the future and how kind of everything kind of weaves in together. And we had a lot of technical issues. We couldn't get our, our PowerPoint up, um, but we wrote, we ran with it. Uh, Michael pulled, picked up the laptop to kind of show people and they believed us. And uh, we were able to give out some great prizes. Nice. Um, but you know, when, whenever things like that could happen and you get frustrated um, it's easy to take it out on whoever is there or a part of what you're doing. And yeah. we didn't do that. We were we we didn't we didn't get upset. We kind of just rolled with it and we just had fun with it. And I think if anything, it made it better um because we just kind of got to be able to joke around. Um, but we found out the next day that the that the person on the brew squad for AwesomeCon um that that was working our panel room, um, room 209, was a fan of Nerd Initiative. And mm-hmm. not only was that exciting to know that she chose to be in that room because of us, um, but then also realizing you don't realize when yes. you get frustrated or upset, if you react poorly, you could definitely affect and change a lot of things. And if yeah. we would have acted poorly, that would have been the biggest yeah. 
problem for us. It would it would yeah. have been the biggest way to lose uh, you know consistency or yeah. integrity. And I yeah. challenge you guys, as frustrated as you get, and I know I get frustrated. Like, it's like Secret Invasion. You're, you're telling yeah. the plot of Secret Invasion, probably. Yeah, but it's like oh. as frustrated as you get, be sure to remember to always be positive. Don't take things out on the person. If you need a vent, find a friend to do that too. Yeah. Um, but by all I'm means, guilty of that. I'm guilty of doing that. And you guys have taught me, I think, like we were saying yesterday, um, if you really are intent, if your intent is to be positive and have a positive effect on people, lead with that at all times. Mm-hmm. Even if you're frustrated, keep the mission of positivity and upliftment in your mind. I've, I'm guilty of letting my frustrations come out the wrong way. And it's cost me um, relationships. It's cost me time. It's cost me money. Um, it's given bad impressions of, of, to people who don't know me. So they think that that's who I am. That's yeah. my representative versus who I really am. Um, just lead with love, man. Lead with yeah. love even when you feel bad. And uh, I'm practicing it and I'm trying my best to make sure that I stay in that zone. So I also yeah. avoid negativity now. Like as soon as I see it, I run from it like the plague. You know, yeah. I just, it doesn't matter if it's in my family or if it's from strangers. I, I just I just don't have the time for it anymore. It's great work. No, yeah, great. No, absolutely. It's in there. Yeah, but but just you know, remember, stay positive. Don't let things get to you. Um, you never know when you have a fan watching and right. how it can affect you. Um, but again, CJ, thank you so much for being on. Michael, as always, um, Mama, we'll be- I made it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll catch you guys in two weeks on the next episode of Fandoms. <laughs>